Welcome to episode 119 of Chew on This, a Nerd United podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Before we get into the meat of it, folks, uh, we really want to uh, talk to you guys about Patreon. And Patreon is a really cool site where you can sponsor artists such as ourselves. And uh, for as little as like a dollar a month, um, we have different rewards and different uh, tiers depending on how much you want to sponsor us for. And you can adjust that every month, too. So we are on Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash chew on this podcast. I also uh, want to remind you guys out there that um, we really could use your help uh, as far as go on iTunes and uh, give us you know, a comment, give us a, a good rating, uh, and uh, that will really help our, our podcast out for the, for the future. So anyway, so patreon.com forward slash chew on this podcast and go to iTunes and, uh, and give us a little comment, give us a little rating. We'd be really appreciated. Uh, especially or, since we got a really good podcast here. So, <laughs> <laughs> or give us a shitty review if if you're all about Zack Snyder or Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> would be kind of that would be kind of awesome if Michael Bay and Zack Snyder gave us like shitty reviews. That would be so fucking cool. That would be awesome. I would. I would care. take a screenshot that and post it everywhere that <laughs> they actually listen to us. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No accounting <laughs> for taste, but then again. Um, so the thing we've been doing for, I think a year now, almost a year now anyway, really close to a year is, um, it, it, we've been trying to get Wawa to pay attention. And if you don't know what Wawa is, it's, it's like 7-Eleven, but a hundred times better. They make their own sandwiches. You can order from your phone now. You can have it ready when you get there. Um, in the Thanksgiving time, you can get like their gobbler sandwich, which is fun to say. <laughs> They're open <laughs> <sounds> late. wrong. <laughs> yeah, it sounds wrong, but... But it's awesome. It's so it's really great coffee too. I lo- I was lucky enough this past year to go back during uh during the pumpkin spice time. So if you're from if you're from the East Coast and you're from New Jersey and, and Pennsylvania and, and maybe in Florida, I think has it now. Yep. You know what what you know what Wawa is. So we're trying to get them to come out here in California with the hashtag of West Coast hashtag West Coast Wawa. So so retweet it if you can. Tweet it out and let's try and get Wawa to finally pay attention to us this year. There you go. And also, uh, don't forget, also, we're on Instagram where we have really funny memes and stuff like that. We're at, uh, at Chew on This Pod. And it's the same thing for Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Chew on This Pod. And uh, Vic's constantly tweeting shit out. So uh, tweet us back, leave some comments, all that good stuff. Which brings us to this episode, which is this is the fucking ultimate, guys. Uh, and I didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when we started this podcast, um, you know, it, it was it was slow going. I mean, we we tell we jokingly but seriously tell people to skip like the first twenty episodes, right? Like, there's there's no reason to listen to it. It keeps growing. Right? It's, <laughs> skip it's, the first fifty. A, for, <laughs> skip the whole first year. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we we one of the gets one of the people that we always wanted to talk to just for our own nerd self. Was was either Kevin Smith or Mark Bernard, and the first time I ever heard Mark and Kevin, well, I've heard Kevin a long time, like even those DVDs when he was going around to colleges. Oh yeah, um, even yeah, I loved Kevin watching. Smith. The, yeah, yeah, I loved watching those um, because he would talk like me and you would talk, basically. Yeah, that's what that's what's the that's what's so great about Kevin Smith and doing those his podcast is he basically talks the same way me and you talk, except he's. Gets rich paid and for famous, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, that's why I love this movie so much too, right? It's is is 
you know, one of my favorite movies of his is Mallrats. And yeah. it gets shit on by the reviewers, but I love that movie because I'm like, oh, my God, he's fucking making references and making fun of other people and, you know, by using comic book references and, and TV shows and, and Star Wars and stuff like that. So so it was just like for the first time ever, it was somebody on screen speaking the way I would speak. Representing, and, yeah. And the reason why I'm bringing up Kevin is because Mark has been a staple of his Fat Man on Batman uh, podcast. And the first time I ever heard Mark was on a uh, Batman Forever review. And Mark is kind of says the same things we do, um, but he's much smarter. <laughs> <laughs> more intelligible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More He's more eloquent than I am, where I would yeah. say that fucking rules. He would, you know, he would have a paragraph of why that fucking rules. Um, <laughs> And I was like, oh man, if I ever, if I, if we ever get a chance to talk to either one of those guys, you know, we could probably quit. And right. long story short, we we got somebody we're, last we're year. <laughs> yeah, so this is this might be our last podcast. So last last year, uh, we got Sarah Coon on, um, who again is the author of, of Harold Complex, and we got her on for our feminine feminine uh, side episode. And she, I think, reached out to Mark. Um, I'm guessing that's how that went. And uh, I had already, you know, tweeted Mark, and a year later, he says, let's do it, and it literally came about in, like, four days. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It was, it was here and gone before we even knew it, and it's 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 almost, for us, it's it's amazing because we appreciate everybody that we get, um, every, but everybody that we've gotten, basically, we've either never heard of you until, like, some news broke, or it was something where it was, like, just a spur of the moment thing. And it's not that it's not that we always go for the most popular person. We just try to find the most interesting people that we can talk to that we find interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, but this was the one where we're like, oh man, wouldn't it be great to talk to, to Kevin or Mark just to get him on the show, just to be able to talk to him. And this was the first time that it actually happened. I can't remember I don't think any of our guests were somebody where we would if we would make a list of podcasters, like probably like Chris Hardwick would be on that list too. Right. Um, right. So this has nothing to do with any of our guests that we don't appreciate any of them. It's, it's more of like, we, we, this is the one where it's like, Hey, if you want to talk to George Lucas, you know, George Lucas is above everything else, you know, like creator of star Wars and all Indiana Jones. And that's our, that's would be like probably our ultimate. Right. 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 And for us, it was like for podcasting, it was like, Oh man, I would love to talk to Mark because he's so, he, he speaks the way I wish I could. And he writes the way I wish I could. And um, anyway, I'm kind of getting long-winded here, but it, it's just a, it's just a, like I, I still can't believe that we actually got him. It's like it's like you've wanted this one toy for Christmas for a really long time, and then you get it, and then the next day on like December 26, you're like, do I really still have this toy? Yeah, this is amazing. I can't believe I got this toy. <clears throat> or you have a huge birthday party, and then all your friends leave, and you're like, oh, you know, it's like, like the, the one toy for me was Omega Supreme. Yeah, <laughs> Mark is you're comparing Mark to Omega Supreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember waking up the next day. I'm like, did I really get that toy? <clears throat> oh, it, it it's funny because right after you know the next day when you sent me the file and I listened to it, I was like, oh, I was really enjoying it. As like, I wasn't thinking of that was us. I was like, oh, this is a really cool podcast that Mark's on. <laughs> yeah, like they're asking him really good questions, you know? <laughs> and I'm like listening to it and I'm like, wait a minute, that's me and Vic. <laughs> that's a trip. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it I've, to somebody that we've listened to all, like for years now. And then to actually have him on our show is, is really trippy. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, like you said, I think before off the podcast that he's been in our earbuds for the last six, seven years. And it's kind of like, 
like we know him a little bit, you know? And so it was really easy to talk to him. And, um, but at the same time I was geeking out though, too. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was pretty cool. It was really, really cool. To, and he's such a, just a, a generous, uh, generous guy and what a nice guy. And, um, it was really awesome talking to him, but, and this thing goes a while I think this is our longest interview we've ever had. So it might be, it probably could have, it probably could have gone a lot longer, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to push it. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty late at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. We could have talked to him for hours, but, uh, anyway, so this is, uh, <clears throat> chew on this interviews, Mark Bernardin. Uh, again, you know, he's such a cool guy. You guys are really going to enjoy this, uh, interview, uh, such as we did. And, um, gosh, well, we, uh, we hope you enjoy it. I yeah. was joking around. I was joking around with you off, off, off the podcast saying like, I don't care if people find this entertaining. It's probably the one podcast. I don't care if people find entertaining because this is yeah. like all personal for me. So it was, it was more of like, I don't care if anybody else that's listening finds it interesting. I care that it was interesting to me. Oh, kind of like sure. you, kind of like again. If 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 you know, like if I'm asking like George Lucas questions, I'm I'm going to ask like questions that I've always wanted to ask him. I'm not going to ask him questions that like I think the audience would be. <laughs> Why that would are... be the one time where I'd be like, "Fuck the audience! I don't give a shit." This is, Why this is are you the way that you are? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you do the things that you do? Uh, um, no, this is this was really cool. Like we talked to him quite a bit before and after the podcast too, which was. You know, we we just happened to record this. Honestly, like I, I we could have just went and hung out with them or something and not recorded it. It would have been if this was like a coffee thing. I probably would have been on four or five cups of coffee in this whole <laughs> conversation. Would have been like six hours long. It would have been like if we if we met up for like a buffet and then they would have had to kick us out <laughs> or buffet. repay for dinner. Yeah, like they would have been like, you guys were here for breakfast. It's now dinner. You guys owe us for lunch and, <laughs> yeah. you know, lunch and dinner. Or leave. Like, oh, shit, we didn't even realize that. <laughs> well, let me that's if, that's if Mark would have stayed that long. <laughs> yeah. He, like, gets up to go to the bathroom. He's like, where'd he go? He doesn't come back. <laughs> yeah. Like, leaving that date. These guys, these guys would not stop asking questions. <laughs> Bad enough. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, done with this. Get some soft serve on the way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you always got to get the soft serve. Absolutely. Exactly. No matter how full you are. you get Like, if you're really full and, like, you, you got the buffet sweats, <laughs> like, you, that's how you justify getting the soft serve. Because it'll cool you down. We did not have Bernard even though, sweats. <laughs> we could have talked even though, for a long time. No, no, no. But if you know what I'm talking about, if you're I going know, to the buffet and you get the buffet sweats, you, even though you can't eat anything else, you'll justify the soft serve because it's cold right. and it'll cool you down. Even though you're <laughs> well, still eating. <laughs> Plus, the desserts dessert comes with it, so you gotta like. like I'll, I gotta I'll take do advantage. the. I'll do the last minute thing where I'm like, I literally have like buffet sweats. I'm like, I can't do the ice cream and then I'll pay for the check. And then I'll like, as I'm going to pay for the check, I'll veer off to the ice cream and get it on the way out so I can eat it in my seat. So I have like the air conditioner from the car blowing in my face oh my and the soft serve ice cream cooling me off at the same time. The buffet sweats. I got yeah. That's buffet awesome. sweats. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So, well, I hope you guys don't get uh, <laughs> the sweats while you're listening to this. Uh, if so, you but know, cool if you do, out. if you do re- review it and say you got you got Bernard and sweats, that would be kind right. of funny. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, this is episode 119. This is uh, Chew on This interviews Mark Bernard and enjoy.
on with Mark Bernardin, this is one of the gets that we never thought we would ever get on the show. Like when we started the show, we were interviewing local cosplayers. And if you told us then, <laughs> if you told us then that we'd be talking to Mark Bernardin, I'd be like, you're full of shit. And how do I sign up for that? So just to give you a little background for anybody who doesn't know who Mark is, um, which I find that's hard to believe if you're listening to our podcast, but he is the co-host on Fat Man on Batman with Kevin Smith. He, his writing credits are ridiculous. His writing credits are like, if I had just had one of these writing credits, I would be happy for the rest of my career. But not Mark. He's got L.A. Times, Entertainment Weekly, Hollywood Reporter, Playboy, Sci-Fi, Top Cow, Marvel, DC Comics. You even have your own comic book at Image Comics uh, called Genius, mm-hmm. which is which is really good. Um, you just finished uh, issue five of Cartel this past December. Yep. Um, and uh, the first time I ever heard you was actually on. Uh, the Batman Forever commentary, and I never heard you before. And I was like, "Who is this guy that's talking?" Because he's saying the same things I would say, like when you reference the dig uh, of Man of Steel when when Batman saves somebody in Batman Forever. He's like, "Oh, look, he saved more people than Superman did in Man of Steel." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's what I said." Um, but I saw something weird, or not weird, but something awesome, mm-hmm. and I think it's awesome. Did you write on a, a comic book uh, for Airwolf? <laughs> yeah, I did write an Airwolf comic book because if somebody ever asks you, "Hey, do you want to write an Airwolf comic book?" you say yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw it on. I, I was, uh, you know, we we internet stalk. We tell all our guests that we internet stalk them. And with you, I really didn't need to. I knew a lot about you already from just from listening to your podcasts. But I I still went away went anyway deep into Google and was like, what can I find that's kind of interesting to talk about? And then I see this, and I'm like, fucking Airwolf, no way! I love awesome this show. show. I love this show. Yeah, man. Like a friend of mine was a was an editor over at Lineforge, and he's like, listen, you know, we got a couple of licenses here, and I don't know. He started rattling down names, and I'm like, okay, interesting, interesting. Airwolf, hold on. because if there's anything that feels like it's built for the comic book page it's flying helicopters and flying uh, helicopters that are faster than jets the faster than jets (laughs) which is a thing super easy to convey in static pictures Um, (laughs) i remember i grew up at that i remember um during that time they had like airwolf they had kit they had uh street hawk we always talk about street hawk even though that was like really short-lived oh yeah or like that uh, what is it? Auto Man? Auto Man. Do you remember Auto Man? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What was the guy who changed into all those animals too? No, oh, Manimal. Manimal. Right. Manimal. Do, right. Do, yeah, not, yeah. do not shit on my Manimal. No, no, no. I used to love that show. No, I, I watched all show. those shows. <laughs> <laughs> but That's yeah, why I, mean, I thought it was so cool that you had Airwolf as one of your one of your writing credits. I'm like, oh shit, he wrote on Airwolf. I was like, this is awesome. I didn't know that beforehand. And it's even more destined that you should have been on our podcast a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every now and again you get to scratch the itch, and you know it's entirely possible you didn't know you had an airwolf itch that needed scratching. But you know what? I told oh, my story. I feel like <laughs> yeah, that's that's so awesome. I can retire, um, from and, and you'll honor. you'll find out you'll find out at the end of the podcast why the airwolf thing was so awesome when I saw it. Um, <laughs> but really quickly, as much as I've listened to your podcasts with Kevin, I've never heard. Like I said, the first time I heard you was the Batman Forever commentary, which I loved. And I listened to everyone, even the Batman Begins one that you just did recently. Cool. How did that – I never heard of anything with um, like how your relationship started with Kevin. Like how did that come about? 
and then uh, you being a regular all the time because you used to just be a guest and now you're there all the time. So how did that come about too? Yeah. Well, the, the, let's see, the secret origin is what you're looking for. Yes. <laughs> um, the weapon I, X, the weapon X I had, when I was working for entertainment weekly, I had occasion to interview Kevin a couple of times, you know, one thing I was asking him to rank superhero costumes for some like college newspaper insert that, that EW had done back in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And then later I had asked to do a filmography. I think Zach and Miri was coming out. Um, oh, okay. and, uh, and I was like, Hey, let's do a filmography. He's like, all right, that sounds like fun. This is through his manager or whatever. And, uh, and so I got his phone number and, you know, gave him the call at the appointed time. I was like, listen, you know, do you mind if we do this over IM? I prefer to, to write instead of talk, which, you know, if anybody who knows the Kevin of today as opposed to the Kevin of like 2004, 2005, that's a vastly different person. But uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I'll write. I'll do it on IM. I was like, awesome. I don't have to transcribe anything. This is perfect. Thanks, Kev. And so after we did that, he every now and again would just pop up on my IM. You know, he's like, hey, do I use a colon here or a semicolon? Uh, what the hell is a semicolon? Um, <laughs> you know, like, like weird punctuations. I'm like, you're an editor. You know how this should look. Um, and then it would just be it's like, oh, hey, did you see, you know, that movie? Did you hear that piece of news? Did you, did you do that thing that you do when you have a friend who's a geek and something comes down the pike and you just want to talk to somebody about it? You know, if it, if it was a movie, it's the equivalent of sitting in the parking lot and talking for two hours after you see Total Recall because you're not entirely sure what the hell you just saw. <laughs> Which we do that all the time. I know because, you know, we're all nerds. That's that's the nerd lingua franca. That's that's how we communicate is like in a parking lot just trying to digest the thing you just saw. Um, and so, like, we just we kind of struck up this little Internet friendship pre like Twitter. I was never like a USQ message boards person. Um but, uh, and then he said, Hey, you know, do you play cards? And I said, what kind of cards? Poker. Uh, I'm usually back in Jersey, like once every month or so I was living in the East coast at the time. And, uh, and I do a poker game at my comic book store. Do you want to roll through? I said, well, oh, nice. I live like 25 minutes from your comic book store. I'd be an idiot not to. So Wait, you, you lived in New Jersey. I, I lived in New Jersey. I, I was born in New York, stayed there till I got married, moved to New Jersey. Cause that's what you do. And, uh, his store is still in Red Bank. And I lived in a town called Matawan, which is 20 minutes North from Red Bank. I lived in Tom's river. There you go. Boom. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll head down to the stash and lose some money to rich guy and his friends. That's, you know, that sounds like a Saturday night. <laughs> and uh, so did it a couple times, lost money a couple times, and that was fine. And then I found myself in L.A. Um, when I was uh, on – I was still working for UW at the time. And he invited me to see Zach and Miri, um, a cut of it. And he's like, yeah, it's just about done, but if you want to come to the house and watch the movie – That'll be cool. Okay, sure. I'll go to Kev's house and I'll watch his movie in his living room <laughs> on his editing bay because it's not like on a DVD or anything yet. And, you know, then after the movie, just hung out for a couple of hours. He started smoking because Seth Rogen. And, uh, <laughs> and I just had shitty pizza because it's L.A. And, uh, and we just talked for a while. And then, you know, I went back east and, and, you know, fast forward about a year and I found myself in L.A., um, for alphas, I was working for alphas 
And he's like, hey, oh, right. I uh, I do a podcast with my wife, this plus one, this morning show thing. You know, you want to come on? You'll plug the show. We'll chop it up. Okay, man, sure. That sounds like fun. Go on the podcast. Like, awesome. All right. Um, hey, you should come on a podcast again. All right. Uh, that was fun. Happy to. Uh, what do you want to talk about? It's like, I don't know. He's like, all right, pick your, your 10 favorite Batman stories. I will talk about those. <laughs> Oh, no. I said, okay, sure, I can do that. I made a list, brought it over. He's like, oh no, wait, there's a there's a, a a new Batman animated movie that's coming out, The Dark Knight Returns Part One. Like, let's we'll we'll get the we'll get the discs and we'll watch it and we'll do like a commentary track. All right, man, that sounds like fun. And so we do it. He's like, hey, that was a good time. We should do all the Batman movies. <laughs> okay, sure, man. You didn't get far. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like fun. So we did, you know, Dark Knight Returns two, then Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Robin, Batman Forever, blah blah blah. We get to the end of the Burton Batman's, and we're like, all right, listen, we're going to take a little break because honestly, these friggin' the Nolan movies are not as fun to talk about as the Burton Schumacher movies. Like they're good movies. So yeah, yeah. we'll take a little spell, but, uh, but Gotham is starting. We should do this for Gotham. We'll do commentary tracks for every episode of Gotham. Oh no. I'm like, all right, man, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so we sit down we do like one or two and they turn into these exercises in digression where it's, <laughs> all right, we'll just talk about like what's happening in nerd news today and then we'll get into Gotham and that'll be fine and we'll call the utility belt. And so every episode will have utility, like, utility belt and then commentary or whatever. And then it just became, man, Gotham is a rough sit. I don't know if we can do this forever. <laughs> so what if we abandon Gotham and just do kind of like a, a utility belt? All right, that's cool. It's like, hey, do you want to be the co-host of the show? I'm like, what does that mean? Like, well, you have to come here and talk about nerd stuff with me. Like, all right, I can do that. That's fine. <laughs> so I don't want to do like administrative stuff. That's not my gig. It's like, right. no, it's cool. Just come over. We'll hang out. We'll talk. All right, fine. And then like flash forward a year later. Hey, man, do you mind if uh, we'll put up a couple of like GoPros in, in the office? We'll put it on YouTube. We'll see how that goes. All right, man. Sounds like fun. Hey, uh, do you want to go to this studio? They want to pay us money to do this in, in the studio. <laughs> All right, man. God. Sure, that sounds like, like fun. Falling upward. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, you want to try like a live show? Maybe, maybe we'll take it on the road. We'll see what that's like." All right, man. Sounds like fun. <laughs> hey, do you want to do this in like I don't know San Diego during Comic Con? Yeah, man. Sure, that sounds like fun. Hey, should we like you know the guy who produces the show is opening up a bar? Should we do it at the bar? Sell tickets in L.A. and on like a weekly basis? Yeah, man. Sure, that sounds like fun. And it's basically Kevin saying, do you want to do this? And me saying, yeah, man, sure. That sounds like fun. It's <laughs> like your normal response. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's not. Everything he brings up is like you're not going to say no to. Right. It's not like, hey, you want to go fuck that dog? No, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. But, but what, if we did in a, what, would, what if we did it in a bar and we sold tickets in L.A. for it? All yeah. right, man, sure. It sounds like fun. Yeah. It must be live dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Mark, uh, we uh, listening to Fat Men on Batman and listening to you talk about your writing gigs, and you brought up um, Castle Rock, <laughs> which you know we're we're huge Stephen King fans and and all that stuff. And I don't know why, but <laughs> why would you said Castle Rock? I'm like, duh, that makes total sense to like have a uh, you know a, a Stephen King uh, universe. <clears throat> and uh, so I I just think that's totally cool. But you now. How do they? How does that work? Do they divvy up the writing 
to for certain episodes? Like, do you have your own episode or do you choose a character? Like, I know I'm lost. Like, everybody kind of like wrote for a certain character or uh, I don't know. I, I guess it was more collaborative, like in episodes. But did you get your own episode to write? Um, I, I share a credit on one episode um, with another guy on the staff. Um, okay. You know, the way the way Castle Rock works. Uh, or at least the way the first season worked is is very similar to the way that most TV works, which is, you know, you 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 get hired on a show, and your showrunner sits down and says, "All right, well, here's your pilot script. Here's where we're starting. Here's the finish line. Here's where we're ending. Here's a couple of beats a- along the way that I kind of have a sense in my head that we're going to want. Here's the shape of what I think the season is, and so now us together, the nine, ten, eleven of us in a room, are going to figure out." what all of it is, you know, when you start big and then you start to work small. So you start at the season level, like what's the season about? What's, who are we following? What are the, what are the big turns we're going to anticipate? Then you work from season to episodes. Like, all right, well, let's break this into 10 episodes in our case on Castle Rock. What's happening in each one of these episodes. And then from episode, you break it down to scene. What's, we need to talk about every scene that is in this episode, whether it's, you know, a scene as simple as we're driving to the store or a scene as simple or as grandiose as, Oh my God, there's a hell mouth opening up. What does that mean? <laughs> um, and so we do all of that together. Like all of that is a bunch of people in a room um, hammering their way through this. And then together we're all agreeing upon, you know, so we all have it in our brains. Here's what the season's about. Here's what the episode's about. Here's what the scene is about. Here's what the, 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 the character motivations are about. When it goes to an individual writer, which is decided by the, the showrunners who say, all right, well, you know, either there's going to be rotation or there's going to be a person who exhibited some natural empathy for a particular story. All right. So Mark is going to write this one and Gene is going to write that one and Heather is going to write this one and this person is going to write that one. And then you, once you get your script assignment, once you're up in the, you know, once you're on the batter circle, then you start to take ownership of that particular script, keeping in mind that everybody knows what everything is. And then your job is to take it from the scene level to the line by line level. Like mm-hmm. Your job is to write. I'm I'm writing dialogue. I'm I'm writing action lines for sequences. I'm, you know, filling in those blanks. Um, but it's it's entirely collaborative. You know, which is one of the things that I love about so it. Cool. Um, I think yeah. it would be. You know, there there are writers. I'm sure in every room who have affinities for one character over another. But mm-hmm. I don't. I almost don't know how it would work if one person was like, all right, you know what I'm doing? I'm writing all of the Captain Stubing lines and you write all the gopher lines and you write all the Isaac lines. And then there's somebody who's weaving all of those together to make I feel like that's that's probably too much work for the person who's doing the weaving. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. it's probably not entirely conducive to like getting stuff on time. But I'm sure there's there's somebody who's tried it. Somebody who's been like, hey, all right, you know, you're really awesome at spacefaring ladies, so you get to write all the Uhura stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's it's it is a lot of it's funny when I when I when I interviewed for the job, um, I was like, well, here's the thing: I used to play D and D a lot as a kid, and if there is if there is a a real world training ground for being a TV writer, it's it's multiplayer role playing games. 
<laughs> it is. What are we doing? We, it's collaborative storytelling. It is. We're all right, sitting around yeah. a table. You know, there's one oh, person yeah. who's kind of directing the adventure, but we are all sharing in it. We are all constructing this narrative together. And I mean, there's less dice and more snacks in a TV room. <laughs> um, and, and the money's way better. But but the the skill set, the muscles you're using are super, mm. super similar. Um, so you can't talk too much about the show, right? Since it's not, you know, hasn't really, we haven't seen a trailer, you know, or anything. Um, the, the, I am pretty sure there are bad robot killer drones hovering over my house at all times, <laughs> just waiting for oh, me. That's right. That's right. It's a JJ. Uh, oh, it's for Oh yeah. So like my firstborns have little bleeping collars on them <laughs> in case I say anything funny. Um, you're like, I want to, I want to go back and write season two. So I gotta yeah, be quiet. Seriously. Um, there, there is a trailer. I remember we cut a trailer. Yeah, there's like a minute, some okay. trailer. Um, before New York comic con, which is the, is the perfect kind of trailer that it gives nothing away and just looks super creepy. Um, but, you know, and I cannot say very much about it except that, you know, it is, it is like, I'm not going to say it's a cover of a Stephen King song because that's, that's weird, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. like, it's a song in the key of King in that, oh. you know, it's an original story with original characters that, that interact with the texture and the places and some of the people from the Stephen King canon, oh my you know, I can't so it's not like the Avengers of Stephen King. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more like, Oh, we found a lost novel that Stephen King wrote. Oh man, I can't wait. The cast is ridiculous. It's yeah, fucking it bonkers, man. Like, I, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm like sitting there going, like, how did they like? I don't. I I just feel like like streaming and and these you know like Netflix and Hulu and all these other they're getting just these. I mean, huge budgets and 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 huge actors and and the stories are fucking phenomenal. And it's not like 22 episodes of something. It's 10 or eight it's or basically or the British like way of telling doing television. Right. Yeah, it's a straight, concise story with no like, no fifteen episode fillers. It's just your story, all killer, no filler. Right. So what? So this is your first major, to my knowledge, anyway, your first major like television writing gig, right? Like I don't, I don't remember seeing anything for television on here. Um, on Alphas for the for the Sci Fi Channel. Oh, right, the right, first right. thing that I'd done, but. I mean, Alphas is like the bad news bears compared to Castle. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a it was a sci-fi show. Like we had cable budgets, we had David Strathairn in the lead. Like we had real actors, and and you know, I love that show for what it was. But it is it, it is almost like oh, see, that's a dinosaur and that's a bird, and that's what happens when you give it like millions of years of evolution and all of the money in the world, and now you can tell the difference between the two. <laughs> you know? Did uh, so what I loved about what I love about what you do on the show with Kevin and especially with the commentary and stuff like that, you give what me and BJ do a lot is look at a movie like, why did they do that? Why didn't they just do this instead? Mm-hmm. Meaning like just basically like rewriting it on the fly and like, I wish they did this instead. Mm-hmm. Now with, with Castle Rock and what I've heard from your, you on the podcast, does that like translate at all into, into your writing techniques? Like, um, um like saying like, you know, you know, I know, you know what like a good story is and how it's met from beginning to end and, and character motivation and, and things like that, like plot for DC. So does that, 
does that come into play like your podcasting voice in your writing technique, like uh, knowing full well what a good story is? It, uh, it, it does to a certain degree. It's, it's harder when you're inside of it. You know, like when you're when you're in the middle of breaking ten episodes and you're on episode three, and you're not entirely sure what episode seven is yet, you it's hard to diagnose where the issues are. Unlike looking yeah. at a movie, it's like here's my two hours. What did you do with these two hours? Here's where I'm feeling slack. Here's where it doesn't work. When you're looking at a season of TV that exists, it's way easier to have that distance and say, oh, okay, here's this part of it and here's that part of it and here's where, where I would have done this and here's where I'm glad they did that. Um, but there is, you know, all of it is coming from the same sort of story sense muscle, which, you know, for me came from watching stuff, came from inhaling media, inhaling stories, inhaling movies I loved and TV that I couldn't get enough of. And, and so, so understanding and, and digesting and, 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 sort of operating on and doing autopsies on um, story comes in good stead because at the very least it helps you understand what the rules are, you know, and the rules, especially when you're working in genre are not to say that they're verboten and, and sacrosanct, not to say that you can't break them, but you need to know what they are, you know, and genre is great that way. And that you know, especially if you're dealing in horror, especially if you're dealing in science fiction, you know, like there's, there's certain there's certain parameters you have to establish to help an audience buy a reality, and then you can decide to break one of them. You know, it's the like, you know, you get one buy from an audience. What's our buy in this? The buy is that the Hulk is the Hulk, and gamma radiation, which doesn't exist, also didn't kill a guy and instead turns him into a giant green monster. That is my buy. <laughs> Everything else needs to either come from that or be played entirely straight. Otherwise, it just doesn't really work. You know, well, like I'm glad you brought up something like the Hulk, right? So, so are you able to take a step back? And and, the, and here's my tie-in for for comic books. Are you able? To, were you able to take a step back in your specific episode and notice flaws in them, like you would be reviewing a, a TV episode? Like for me and BJ, when you say the Hulk, I think for a TV episode, I think of the Flash. And when me and BJ, it drives us fucking crazy when the Flash is fighting the main villain of the episode, or maybe for the season. And one of the main, the bad guy is just somebody who's not as fast as the flash and just runs out of the room <laughs> while he saves somebody else. And then he's like, Oh, she got away. Like there was one, I forget which episode <laughs> it was where he turned around and saved somebody. And the woman is like on the second or third floor of a building. And she just exited the room. He does his flash speed thing, saves the guy, then turns around and tells Cisco she's gone. I'm like, fucking run out the door. How far could she have gotten where the flash could not have caught her. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that happens a lot. There's, there's, you know, like <laughs> at least for my episode and I can't talk at all about what it is because it's halfway through the season right, right, and right. A, right. I would get fired. I would get like retroactively fired. Like they would come and take all the money back if I told you what was in it. But you know, it, it is definitely one of those episodes where it's, you know, shit is hitting the fan, you know, where, 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 you know, deep in the drama and stuff needs to start making sense. And, and you have a gut check of like, I think this, this plays, this gets us where we need to be. But there's also, you know, it happens in TV all the time. It happens in storytelling all the time where it's, we are going to abandon logic here because it delivers an emotional truth. And the emotional truth is more valuable than, you know, 
the you or the me or the, you know, handful of nerds who will like call bullshit on stuff. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I get it. And yes, we're, we are knowingly sacrificing the logical integrity because we want the emotional resonance. And, you know, there, there are times when you're like, you know what? I don't know why, you know, fucking Indiana Jones knows to close his eyes when the, they're going to open the fucking Ark of the Covenant. And I don't know why Marion listens to him. Doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter that, that, that Indiana Jones is the mm-hmm. most pointless hero in the world because nothing he does actually stops the Nazis in any way at no. all. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all because he, he is functioning on a sort of vicariously emotional level that eludes and escapes and sheds logic off its back like spiders in a cave. You know, doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter because you love it. You know, and I think that. Yeah, that- but, but I only have to watch Indiana Jones say close your eyes once. I have to watch The Flash in 10 <laughs> out of 26 episodes. Just let a guy on, on even if he's on a motorcycle, like just escape. So it isn't a jet. It doesn't and, matter. And when I when though. I see it, it's just like I, I get what you're saying. You have to let logic escape a little bit because of the emotional value. Then what? I just what's think, Justice League's excuse? I just I just <laughs> well, think yeah. that for for those parts of the Flash, catching the bad guy in five minutes doesn't really help your your advertisement. Because <laughs> you have to fill, you know, you have to fill an hour, so he can't end the episode ten minutes in. Yeah. Well, what he should say, like you know, in the opening thing where he's like, "I am the Flash, I'm the fastest man in the world," then he should say like a little thing like, "Every now and then he gets someone gets away." I'm the fa- I, can't, I, can't, I can't get. I'm the fastest man in the world unless you run out of the room with my back turned. Yeah. Like I can't see everything, guys. I don't have eyes in the back of my head. I'm the Flash, the Watcher. So, like, <laughs> with your story with uh, Kevin, it's it's really interesting how it just you know blo- it just kept blossoming, getting better and better, and it, it 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 is keep it is getting better every time you guys are doing something new. Now you're at Scum and Villainy. Mm. Uh, you see the video; it's so awesome that you actually get the podcast from a bar that looks like from the cantina. It's so nuts. So, have you had like <laughs> like th- that's got to be like I can't believe I get to do this and get paid for this. But have you had throughout your so far amazing career? Have you had any one of those holy cow moments? I can't believe I do this. I get to do this. Um, like, give me like one or two examples of that. I I, I get them on a fairly regular basis, um, <laughs> and and in for for reasons and in ways that that are like both small and big and ridiculous and not. But I I once I went to the Skywalker Ranch. Oh, um, twice. I went the first time for a, a episode one DVD event because they threw a big giant junket for the DVD because a, this was back when DVD were selling things and B when they threw like video junkets for stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, so I flew out there and, and just spent a day being paraded around Skywalker ranch. We're going to go into this theater and we're going to go into this room and we're going to do this. And here's the, we're going to show you, you know, some deleted scenes and all of that stuff, which was amazing. But I got to be friendly with the publicist. And so I was going to San Francisco for my 10th wedding anniversary. And so I called the publicist. I'm like, hey, I'd love to bring my wife to the ranch. Would that be cool? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. And so I get there and this publicist literally spends the day with us and gives us like a guided tour of the Skywalker Ranch and ILM and the Black Rock facility. And it's it's the kind of thing that that is – 
ridiculous and phenomenal and should not happen. And every now and again, that that was one of those, this is a ridiculous life that I lead and I don't understand it at yeah. all. Um, and then on, on the car ride from San Francisco down to LA for the tail end of our vacation, I got laid off from EW. So, oh, so, you know, the, she, she takes and she gives the fate. Um, <laughs> oh my God. You know, like the, every now and again, there are, there are things that I try not to take them for granted, but there are things that are just phenomenal and ridiculous and wonderful. And like we did a podcast on the forecourt of the Chinese theater. Yeah, you know, yeah. which is yeah, a thing that. that's awesome. ridiculous and amazing. And, you know, I, I don't understand why we're here. I'm not going to you know, call bullshit on it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look this particular. <laughs> no, you belong. But man, a lot. <laughs> what the hell are we doing out here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is your, uh, is your wife into that stuff? Like you, you took her to Skywalker ranch on your 10th anniversary. So I'm guessing she does she, like this stuff or she, just... <laughs> she likes it, you know, from a distance. She is definitely not as as invested in it as I am. You know, there's there's I'm sure a good twenty percent of it that she's indulging me and and like oh and that's great, honey, that's lovely. But as long as as long as the paychecks are coming right. in, <laughs> it's like but, it's all good. Yeah, but like every now and again, like the Skywalker Ranch, even if you didn't care, it's just a remarkable facility. It's just this amazing. You know, like it's just a great house. Like if you're just gonna visit someplace, like holy shit, this is beautiful. Oh, this is the Star Wars guy's house. That's cool. <laughs> you know, oh, there's the fertility god from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you can touch it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> They'd have to be like a jerking off room or something. I'm like, I gotta excuse Special myself. just for fans. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is the fan room. I mean, we're not having any more. Kids. Don't touch the fertility god. <laughs> uh, so one of the cool things about your show is uh, towards the end of the show you always have a this is not towards the end of our show but just talking about the the Skywalker Ranch thing made me think about questions that you guys get asked mm-hmm. on your show all the time and you give gifts away so I'm going to I want to try to play that game with you you don't have to give me anything because I'm sure you don't have tickets to anything right now <laughs> but uh, but I, I want to see if this would win uh, uh, something from you and Kevin okay so y- you've done the commentaries for the Batman right mm-hmm. you did the, the you did the begin so I'm guessing night and rises are next so uh, would yes. you would you guys ever do a Batman v Superman one and try and be as honest as you both were for Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and even more so Batman Begins. Because we found out recently that even the best movies that we love, we can still pick them apart. So, yeah, would I you mean, be as honest on Batman v Superman. I mean, I, I, I don't see. Would I be as honest? I would be as honest as I was in my review for Batman v Superman. Um, which, you know, I, I made no secret of not liking that movie. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I made no secret and have, you know, made a, a what I assume to be sizable number of Internet enemies by saying that, <laughs> that I don't quite think that Zack Snyder fully comprehends, A, what Superman is about, B, what mm-hmm. Batman is about, or C, what superheroes are about. Um you know, I think he has the stories he wants to tell and the palette and the, the canvas he wants to tell them on. I just don't think that those stories are are inherently DC stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think those, you know, I don't think he understands what Superman is about and why Superman ticks and what makes that character, 
fly when it flies, and nor does he understand what makes Batman tick. Um, but I don't think we minced very many words <laughs> when we when we talked about you know BVS or, or Justice League, um, you know, or Wonder Woman for that matter, which I liked quite a bit, but you know has its share of problems. Um, that third act, most of them pile up towards the end. Um, um, you know, and I think that that you know scene by scene, minute by minute, you know, there's there's there. I, I think honestly, if we did a Batman v Superman uh, commentary track. Um, the surprising thing would be the amount of stuff that we do like only because if we're talking about a two hour movie and we're filling two hours of conversation and we're going like minute by minute, moment by moment, no movie is wall to wall, bad moments. Mm -hmm. Like there there will be the thing or two like, Hey, you know what? That kind of worked. You know what? I kind of like Amy Adams. Like she's doing a pretty good job. Like, you know, who's pretty good in this Lawrence Fishburne. I'd buy his Perry white. Sure. That's kind of cool. You know, like there's, there's the stuff we liked that if you're doing a 45 minute review, you are not talking that much about because you're trying to, to, to wrap your arms around the work as a whole, as opposed to just talking about it in this discrete chunks. There was one part in that movie that we both loved. Like when we walked out of the theater, we're like, Oh dude, that, that scene where the courtroom explodes and you just see, you just see Superman just like, Oh shit. You know, and just for a split second, man, I thought, oh, fuck, he got something fucking right, you know. And then two seconds later, he just bolts, you know. Yeah. And you're like, you're like, shit. And then he goes and visits Lois and he's like, I, I don't I don't know if I want to be a superhero kind of thing. And she's like, you don't know the world anything. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what are these people teaching you? <laughs> yeah. Like, for, for, for a second, you could have been like the hero the city deserves. But instead, God. yeah. That scene's beautiful too, and that that courtroom scene is just—it's gorgeous. You yeah. know, I mean, Zack Snyder is a hell of a shooter. Like that dude can put you know images together like nobody's business. He's but, like that know. guy. He's like that guy in high school that has all this money and spends all this money on his car. He's got the rims. He's got the lift. He's got the big giant sound system, and he doesn't know how to work any of it. Like <laughs> his pre-programmed his pre-programmed remote control broke. And now when he wants to turn the volume down in the sound system, the lift is just bouncing his car up and down by accident. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think that I think that if he's got a great script that comes to him, you know, yeah. not not like fully baked, but you know, it's it's been in the oven for a while, then he's a pretty solid filmmaker. Like I think three hundred is a lot of fun. I think mm-hmm. is, is the dead. Dawn of the, the dead, dead is phenomenal. Watch me. Yeah. Watchmen, love the Watchmen. Yeah. I mean, we we may differ on the Watchmen, but um, but he's a hell of a shooter. Like he can he could put images on a screen that are beautiful and luscious and sumptuous. But I just don't think he's got um, a, a a bulletproof sense for story um, and for why story works when it works. Yeah. Um. So switching gears just a little bit. Um. We, Vic and I talk a lot about, well, we do a lot of movie reviews and stuff like that, but we've noticed like there's a lot of, seems like the studios are banking on a lot of nostalgia uh, recently. I mean, I, I mean, they've done it over the years a lot, but it just seems like more recently, like we're getting, of course, Force Awakens was like a new hope. Um, you know, they bought brought Blade Runner back after 35 years. I mean, Jumanji, which I didn't even know I wanted that, <laughs> but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, they brought Roseanne back to the point where like, I'm on literally right now, you know, before I got on here, I was watching Roseanne cause I'm getting excited for the revival. 
Um, they just announced that Murphy Brown's coming back. I mean, all this stuff that that we loved in the 80s and 90s that we never thought we'd ever see again is now all of a sudden just coming right back in the limelight. What? So I just want to know, like, what is your – I mean, there's bad things too, like flatliners, what a piece <laughs> of shit that was. But um, what do you think about that? Like, you know, bringing these old properties back, is it a good thing? I mean, is Hollywood kind of running out of ideas? What, what's your what's your take on that? I think, I think it's – I mean, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Um, I think in the movie space, you're getting so many remakes and reboots and preboots and sequels and rehashes and overhashes and all that stuff because it's easier to get people to say yes to a thing that existed that they already said yes to once before, you know, Mm -hmm. the default answer for everything in Hollywood is no, because the minute you say yes, somebody above you is going to ask. Why did you say yes? Like, why did you, why did you take a fly on this? What about this? Did you think was worth spending vast sums of money on? And the money that you have to spend on a movie that you're going to put into theaters is no longer the 30, 40, 50 million you could spend in the nineties to make, you know, basic instinct or whatever. Like you're not making adult thrillers mm-hmm. anymore. You're making movies at all cost between 150 and $200 million to make. In some cases, $300 million you're spending on justice league. So, um, when you have to justify why you made the call of yes, it is a easier thing to do to say, oh, well, you know what? Here's a thing that people love. We've got, you know, banks of data. We've got a bunch of reviews. We have, you know, old box office adjusted for inflation. We have enough data that would say that, you know, the marketing department knows how to sell it and audience who is receptive to it. And so none of us will get fired if we make this thing. We found a writer who's got a halfway decent take on it. You got a director who's summoned a little bit of enthusiasm for it, and we can put the rock in it. So let's go. <laughs> that movie Viagra. Yeah. You you mentioned I. You said something really interesting uh, a second ago, but also on the, your one of your last podcasts about how it, it's either like Blumhouse or it's you know or some huge production like you know Marvel or DC or something like that huge production. So it's the the, the thirty, forty, fifty, sixty million dollar movies are kind of like non existent yeah. now. That was like kind of a big thing. I remember when they had a you know a tentpole movie that did terrible, and they're like, "Oh shit, we're not making these hundred million dollar movies anymore. We need to go back." Like Jet Apatow, you know, they started making those kind of movies that only cost fifteen, twenty, twenty five, and they made a hundred million dollars, and they were making a shit ton of those. Yeah, and like now, now the pendulum's kind of swung the other way again. It's like, I mean, it, we got to spend two hundred fifty. Yeah, it's the it's the disappearance of the DVD market. It's the disappearance of video as a driver, because you know once you once you were guaranteed to be able to sell, like all right, we're going to make you know sixty million dollars in in theaters, but that's okay because this will sell on DVD, or you know even before that, oh, it'll it's okay. The rental market will buy it. Like Blockbuster is going to buy enough of these, or or you know the mom and pop video stores. And so then you can have, like, you don't get When Harry Met Sally. You don't get romantic comedies. You don't get, you know, Spinal Tap. You don't get Princess Bride. You don't get any of those movies unless there's a rental market, unless there's a video market where people can buy this stuff and they want to own this stuff. And with the disappearance of the video market and the rise of Netflix, and when the consumers shifted from being collectors to consumers, like, I don't need to own. I just need access. You know, I don't need a shelf of stuff to show you what my personality is. All I need to do is be able to press a button and have everything at my fingertips. And once people stop buying, 
you know, that market dried up. And so the only way you got to drive people to theaters was look at this giant fucking thing. <laughs> you know, look at all of the money we spent. Come and spend your $15 to see our $300 million. Isn't that great? That's an equation you can get behind as opposed to come spend your $15 to watch a thing you could probably also watch on TV, which are grown-ups talking to each other in a room, one of which may have a gun. <laughs> you know, um, you know. It, it, before we get on to the next question, I just it just popped in my head. But what is your take on uh, McFarlane wanting to make a Spawn movie for ten million bucks? Because that blew my mind. Because <laughs> one of the running jokes we have on our podcast recently is what movie costs the same or more than Todd McFarlane's Spawn? <laughs> like we found out that in in the ninety, uh, do you remember that that movie? What is it, Problem Child or something mm -hmm. like that? That movie was made for $10 million. So it just cracks me up to no end. To which, think that which in today's thinks, money, which in today's money would probably be like, oh, it'd be like 30 million, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so what is your, how is he going to do that? I mean, it's Blumhouse, right? Yeah. Did Blumhouse pick that up? Yeah. I mean, it's, what been, it's one of those things where, <laughs> you know, could you make a spawn movie for $10 million? I think you probably could. You know, like the effects you would put in a Spawn movie are probably the same level of effects you put into an episode of Westworld. You know, mm, and okay. Westworld probably costs between nine and thirteen, fourteen million dollars an episode. <laughs> you know, because that's about the going rate for a special effects heavy prestige, you know, prestige television episode. If you strip out paying for a cast because for $10 million, you're not going to get a, a high budget cast for spawn. And frankly, who's, you know, you're not going to get Tommy Lee Jones to be in spawn. You don't want Tommy Lee Jones to be in spawn. <laughs> so if you're, if you're spending, you know, next to nothing on your cast, you know, giving them guild scale, then spend the rest of that money on effects, then yeah, you could kind of get there, you know, without the bloat of a, of a giant studio picture and without the, the, the top heaviness of, We've got a dozen producers and we've got, you know, a bunch of people who, you know, can't actually vouch for what they did on a movie, but they're getting paid anyway. Get a smart writer director, get a star who's willing to do it, find some effects house in the middle of nowhere that'll grind it out for you for cheap. Like th there's a world in which you could pull that off. I guess Blumhouse is the way to do it. Those guys are just geniuses. Yeah. Man. I mean, they, I mean, they just keep. Yeah, they just keep just pumping out the they've, hits. They've trimmed the fat. They know they know where the fat is. They know how to trim it, you know, so that you know you can make get out for two and a half million dollars. Yeah, you know, and well, have get, a pretty great cast. I think Get Out leads all Oscar nominations too, right? So uh, Shape of Water. The, oh, Shape, I'm of sorry, Shape of Water does. But even both, Shape of Water was thirty million dollars. Both of those casts are both of those casts are pretty diverse. Um, and, you know, we've had some diversity issues. Well, we've always had diversity issues in Hollywood. Um, but it, it, with, the in, with the Internet and social media being so, you know, easily accessible, now Hollywood's being called out for this left and right. Mm. And they don't know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to play a quick game with you um, mm. about diversity. And we're going to call it let's, uh, Diversity Back to the Future. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going <laughs> to hop in our DeLorean really quick and I'm going to name some movies or characters and then you tell me who you would actually cast now that there's a second go around like you're going to you're going to fix the past. Okay. So you're going to you're going to prevent 
You're Doc yeah, Brown. I'm Doc Brown. Or no, Marty, no, I guess. He's Marty. He's Marty. He's Marty. You're, you're, okay. you're going to try to not to make out with your mom, and you're trying to save your, your dad, mom and dad's relationship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one is Iron Man 3 and The Mandarin. Who are um, you going to cast in that? I mean, it, it's funny. Like, I don't I, – I understand a little bit of the, the, the backlash on it, um, but I kind of loved that twist. You know, like that movie, it works pretty well. I still think there's a world in which, you know, you get like, um, hmm, that are we recasting Guy Pierce? Are we recasting, um, basically we're going to do the Mandarin like the Mandarin should be. And you, you would try to cast the role as close okay. to the comic books. All right. So not just like swapping out. Um, no, not this. Right. Like, yeah, the, that entire story I didn't like. So, in this version of Back to the Future diversity, mm-hmm. the whole thing is scrapped. You're going to rewrite Iron Man three by putting the real Mandarin in it. Okay, um, John Cho. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. M- much younger looking than than Tony Stark. Um, yeah, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm I'm okay with the you know the the young tyrant challenging the old guard to mm-hmm. you know to do. To do Tony better than Tony can do Tony. Hmm. Is he going to be higher? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Uh, <laughs> so the next one is um, is Short Circuit um, from the 80s. Did you ever see that movie, Short Circuit? Mm-hmm. The guy's name in it is Ben Javi Tuya. He's Indian, but the guy is wearing tan makeup because he's white as hell. That's Fisher Stevens, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, uh, I choose the guy on iZombie, Rahul Kohli, I think his name is. Rahul Kohli, um, that's, he's, uh, the, one of the people that works in, he's not a coroner, I think right? he is. I think he's, I think he's the head coroner and Liv is his, like, pseudo yeah. assistant person. Okay. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, the, ancient, like uh, the ancient one from Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. I would. I would go. If I'm just dropping an Asian person in there. Yeah, it could be uh, male or female. Male or female. I would go Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. What has she been? That, she sounds uh, so familiar. I'm, I sound ignorant. She's right he. Now. What is she in? Um. Oh, she's a heat. He's a heat. Sorry. <laughs> he was in um, Rising Sun. He was in um, oh, Combat. Okay. I know. Yep. Yeah. I know. I know exactly. I think he might have been in Blade Runner. I don't know. Like he's he's been around forever. Um, yeah. He's got a great face. Yeah. Good character yeah. actor. He's in a yeah, lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Fox from Wanted. Um. Hmm. If we're making this movie in 2008, but then when they were making Wanted, Mm -hmm. um, Halle Berry. If you're making the movie today, um, Gugu Mbatha-Ra. From? From, she is, did you see San Junipero, the episode of Black Mirror? Did you no, did see? Um, oh, is that the one where she's with 
she befriends the other yeah. girl and they're like always going to the bar and dance. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that episode. That was really And fun. so it's not it's not Mackenzie Davis, but it's the other girl. Other girl, yeah. She's yeah, she's awesome. she was in like Free State of Jones and she was in Beyond the Lights and she yep. she was in Doctor Who for like a heart half a heartbeat because every British actress uh, yep. is in Doctor Who. <laughs> okay, so the last one, now we're at the Enchanted Under the Sea dance, and the last movie is Ghost <laughs> in the Shell. Oh. Um hmm. <clears throat> You know, it's funny. Like, I think, I th- I think that that's the sort of thing where you don't need a movie star for that. You know, like that. If I was those guys making that movie, it's like here's the thing: we're making a like eighty million dollar high high gloss high end science fiction cyber thriller. Um, we're gonna we're going to cast around this lead and, and we'll put a bunch of really smart, really awesome people. And we're going to break a new star. Like we're going to find, we did open casting call, like find me, you know, the, the, the Daniel Radcliffe of today, who's an Asian lady, mm-hmm. you know, and I we're like just going to make a new star. We're going to make the story. Look at this amazing talent we found because nobody else was looking. <clears throat> you know, see, that makes so much more sense to me. Because a lot of the excuse that these people always say, people meaning the studios, is, oh, we couldn't find, you know, an Asian actress, you know, to play this role. And it's like, well, they, I mean, Force Awakens made Daisy Ridley a star. Yeah. I mean, you need to find somebody and make them a star and then, you know, and then, you know. Yeah, like you there. need to do the same kind of work that, like, nobody knew who Chris Hemsworth is before he gets cast yeah. as Thor. Like, mm-hmm. We just found this guy. Nobody knew who who what's his face was. Um, why am I blacking out his name? Uh, you know, Wolverine guy. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. You know, just picked him out of a lineup basically and said, "Hey, you know what? You you could be our Wolverine. Yeah, you're like a foot and a half too tall, and you're super handsome, and you like to dance, but you could be <laughs> you could be our Wolverine." Thank you. He's thanking Mission Impossible too for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. Oh my god! You know, yeah. like it's it's find and decide to make a star. Hollywood that used to be their business, which was I'm going to give you somebody that you're going to love. Look at how awesome this person is. You know, the worst part about that is is that when they say those kind of things, <clears throat> and they they say like they blame it on the controversy instead of the fact that the story, like like for example, Ghost in the Shell, you had to spend 20 minutes explaining why a white woman had a Japanese name. Right. Where instead, like, you could have just saved, you know, 20 minutes of the movie and made your movie better instead of having to explain your whitewashing inside the movie. Right. Like, that's or, just ridiculous. Or if you're going to do that, make the movie about that. Like, make the movie about the crime of whitewashing somebody. Like, what it would be like if you woke up tomorrow and your skin mm. did not look like your skin and your body did not feel like your body. Like, why that movie wasn't the fly, you know then I don't, uh, I don't know. Like there's an interesting right. story there, like interrogate it, examine it, like make it about that. As yeah. opposed to, I woke up. Why do my hands look different? Why is my face different? Flash forward to a year later when everything's fine. It's like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> you're skipping over all of the juice. The juice is there. You just don't care about it. Like, you know, yeah. I, it's one of those things where, you know, you ask a comedian, like, is there any joke you won't tell? Or is there any subject you can't make a joke about? 
And most of them will say, no, I can find a way to make a joke about anything. Um, I just have to do the work. You know, mm-hmm. like, could you have made, you know, Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson and could it have been, you know, both both adrenaline packed and a sensitive exploration about racial displacement? Totally. They just didn't want to make that movie. They weren't interested in that. But yeah, and that's, that's why, it, why sucked. it sucked because it wasn't about anything. You know, like we, we, we've talked about it a bunch on, on Fat Man. The fact that, you know, these things have to be about something. You know, when, when the Netflix Marvel shows work, it's because they're about something. When they don't work, it's because they're not about something. When, you know, I don't know to this day really what um, Justice League is about. You know, it could have been about guilt. It could have been about, you know, age and failure and, and, you know, one last ride into the sunset. It could have been, we're killing Batman because A, Ben doesn't want to play Batman anymore. And B, we're not making any more with this particular configuration of people. But, you know, if Batman is guilty for having tried to kill Superman and fundamentally having killed Superman, then... That's a movie. Like, what does the Dark Knight feel like when he's just racked with guilt and suicidal to a certain degree? Yeah, but the problem is, I mean, no, I totally agree with that. The problem with their take on it is when he was, like, grieving over Superman, I'm like, didn't just a second ago you said there was a less than 1% chance that he would, you know, <laughs> the, the certainty that I – and then and then in the movies, like, if there's even a fraction of a chance that we can save his life, I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, uh, one second you want to kill, the next second you're like, ah, I think we should resurrect him, whether it's good or bad. Depending like, on, we'll depending on the chance. fraction or, like, the mathematical equation he's using, it's positive or negative. Yeah, like, I just think he knows how to do math. <laughs> no. no, and that was the joke we made. We're like, oh, in the third movie, it's um, there's if there's a half a bushel of apples of a chance, <laughs> or like a baker's dozen chance that Aquaman's evil, <laughs> we have to kill him. Yeah, but like if, if his entire motivation for resurrecting Superman was so that Superman could kill him in retribution, then I buy that. I 100 percent buy. Yeah. Be like, this yeah. would be a good death version of the Dark Knight. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's totally it. But they just don't, I mean, he hasn't, he doesn't get those characters. I mean, he, he has Batman, he has Bruce Wayne recruiting people instead of Batman, yeah. you know, just fucking. Ridiculous. I don't, I don't know how, <laughs> or <laughs> so, so they, they bring in really quick cause we can go on forever about just sleep, but they bring on Joss Whedon to like lighten the shit up, right. To make it look like a Marvel movie. But did they really have to make it look like a Marvel movie by opening the same shot with Superman on a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> like, because Spider-Man came out first, yeah. and then they had plenty of time to delete that part of the movie because it never comes back. Nobody ever in the movie says, like, hey, remember when Superman was recorded on that kid's cell phone? Nobody <laughs> says that. It's never referenced again. So that point is completely useless. Not to mention, it reminds you of the Spider-Man Homecoming intro, which they did a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Reminded me of Incredibles. Oh, yeah. That, that too. But both of those movies did it better than better than Justice League. <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. Did you see Spider-Man Homecoming? Maybe we should delete this. Nope. We're back to this. We're making this. No, we're, we're doubling down. So it's just... <laughs> So, Mark, I wanted to talk just really briefly about um, Genius. I, I actually didn't hear about this book until I heard you talk about it on the podcast several times. And so I went ahead and um, downloaded the first issue was free. So I, I downloaded it and actually read it 
Um, I haven't read the other four issues, and I think you came out with uh, Cartel. Right. I, I think five issues of that. So I I was pretty riveted reading this thing. I'm not. I, I mean, I used to read comic books a lot when I was a kid, and I think over the years I've just kind of gotten away from it. But I was reading this comic, and I was like. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, this is a, a a badass chick who has the mind of like this strategic mind, and and plus she's like getting gangs together and and killing LP, <laughs> LAPD. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is so cool. So like, I've just read the first comic, and I'm like dying to to see where this goes, or like, because I'm still like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? This is so crazy. So, um, anyway, I'm just gushing about it. But is there? is there any chance or any kind of hope that this can turn into something like a, like a, a Netflix show or a Hulu show or something like that? Uh, um, have you tried to shop there's, it around? There's always a chance. Um, I mean, that, that first issue that you read came out in 2009. Like nine. Um, yeah. And I only remember that because it's wanted is on the back cover of that first issue in print. Oh. Um, Nice. And, you know, at the time, you know, Top Cow took a risk. Like, you know, when we pitched it around, everybody was um, a little chagrined by it for any number of reasons. Um, but Top Cow was like, yeah, you know what? We'll do one. We'll see what happens. And then the response was pretty strong. So they said, we'll do more. This is cool. But, you know, when the first issue came out, there were people who were like, hey, you know what? This is kind of, we should, let's take a run at this. Let's see if we can maybe do something with it. And every person who, you know, emailed us or, you know, sat down for a meeting or got on the phone to talk about it was all like, Hey, this is great. Could we change like 80% of it? Because, Hey, you know, the thing we can't do, we can't actually, you know, kill a bunch of cops in here. So what if it was like private security? Oh, okay. And what if instead of, you know, uh, the here and the now, what if it was like post-apocalyptic or what if it was during an earthquake or what if it was, you know, and just this endless litany of things they wanted to change. And so we kept yeah. on saying, hey, you know, that sounds like a great season of 24, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not this book. And if, you know, if you're going to buy this book, then let's talk about making some version of this book. Um, you know, and, and Adam and I, you know, my co-writer Adam Freeman and I, you know, whenever we sit down with somebody who has a, an eye towards adapting, we're like, listen, we're super collaborative people. We understand completely. Like Adam works in TV also. I work in TV and magazine journalism and, and collaborative arts. But for us, it's always like circling a wagon around the thing that makes it special. And if you want to remove the thing that makes it special, then you don't need this book. And if you don't need this book, don't buy this book. Um, yeah. And so, you know, back in 2009, 2010, 2011, the world was not really ready to be having a conversation about, you know, uh, black youth taking on the police. Um, mm-hmm. You know, flash forward about five to six years from there, and suddenly we're in a world in which everybody, if not understands and empathizes with, is not alien to the idea of, you know, over-militarized police in urban areas and the conflict between, you know, law enforcement and, you know, the governed and the governors. Um, and so that's that's not a, that's not the buy anymore. That's not the, you know, mm-hmm. in the past it was like an alien world. And now it's, no, this is our world. And like, we get it. Can we do it? Unclear. But we're still kind of interested in talking about it. And at least the conversations today are not, you know, wholesale ridiculous. They're, they're, they're a little bit more grounded and everybody's open, has their eyes open to, 
both the realities of the world and the realities of the book and, and the things in the book that need to remain. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I think it's, it is a conversation to be had today in a way that it wasn't before. Um, but it's not as if like I'm playing coy and like, Oh, by the way, we sold it to FX, but keep an eye out for 2021. Um, You know, but, but, you know, there, there are conversations ongoing. There are, there's, there's curiosity in the marketplace, um, which, which is at this point kind of all that I can ask for. Yeah. Well, I I hope, I mean, I hope at some point someone takes a look at it and goes, let's, let's fucking (laughs) do it. And, and it's probably gonna be one of these streaming services. I mean, they're, they're picking up everything. At this point, the arms race is in favor of some streaming service wanting to take a run and just make some noise. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I'm fine with, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expensive date. Like I, 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 <laughs> I am in no way under the illusion that this is going to lead to marriage. If you decide to take a run at this, <laughs> just, just a tip. Just it's fine. Buy me the lobster and tell me I'm pretty and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, do you have, before we get uh, to the end, do you, do you have anything that you um, want to plug? Anything like a website, Twitter, all that stuff, uh, any projects coming up? Uh, um, well, you know, the Twitters and the Instagrams are all at Mark Bernardin, um, Mark with a C. And um, plug wise, I mean, the only thing that I've really got on the horizon that, that I am passionate about that people can get their hands on is the trade paperback of Genius Cartel, which goes on sale mm. uh, third week of February. I think in stores and Amazons and wherever, wherever one buys their bookish materials, um, one can get it like comiXology and your local comic book store, which you should patronize if you have a local comic book store or Amazon, if you are lazy, um, (laughs) or like on an (laughs) Island somewhere. Um, but yeah, you know, like genius cartel, the, the second, the collection, the second mini series will be out and, and the sales of that will determine, um, pretty directly whether or not we get to do a season three. And I would love to, because wow. you know, we have, we have ideas yeah. for days about where we could take this character in this world and, and challenges we can put in front of her. Um, but a lot of that will depend on how the trade does. You also have a, a, awesome. a new podcast coming out too. I do. I do. It's a, it's, it's, it seems as if it's in not quite development hell, but development limbo at any rate. Um, okay. But I'm I'm working on a Battlestar Galactica podcast with Trisha Helfer. Oh yeah, shit! Which That's is awesome. amazing, and she's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, That's I ran one of your it. holy cow moments, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I ran it. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> funny because I went, I did this convention in London uh, over the summer, the London Film and Comic Con, and for the first, like, I've done you know a decent number of conventions, both as a journalist and occasionally as a guest, but it's usually as a comic book guest. And they treat comic book guests far different than they treat media guests. And this London convention, Kevin and I were doing a, a, a live fat man over there. And so they brought me over as talent, as media, as shiny. And there's a green room that is far different than like the comic book green room, which is like, you know, stale sandwiches and a bunch of dudes who look exactly as you imagine a bunch of comic book dudes would look. <laughs> and then there's the media green room where it's like, Oh, hey, there's Benedict Cumberbatch introducing himself to John Cleese. Oh, and that's God. nuts. And oh, shit. John Reese Davies, like Salah, keeps clapping me on the shoulder and calling me handsome. And that's kind of cool. And oh, there's Veronica Cartwright from Alien. And oh, hey, there's Trisha Helfer. 
and uh, and we just like you know sitting down at a table, you kind of just make small talk. And somebody had had come up to her and was like, "Hey, you know, I love Battlestar Galactica. I didn't know that I would. It's I'm not generally a science fiction guy, but I just fell in love with it. I thought she was fantastic on it. She was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about starting a rewatch of Battlestar." And I was like, that's oh a podcast, God. Trisha. If you haven't seen it in a while, you should do a podcast. And, oh, I should co-host it with you, by the way. And we'll call it uh, yeah. Kevin Who? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah. And so it was it, – it, it just all sort of fell together. And we, we recorded a couple on the fly. And then we had some interest from a, from a larger network that has some other ideas on how to, to produce and – and and push out and so we're just waiting to see if the i's will get dotted and the t's will get crossed um so you know hoping for swift resolution but giant corporations are never really known for swift or resolve (laughs) (laughs) so one last thing before we get to the end um have you seen the gotham by gaslight yet i haven't i love the book but i haven't Uh seen the movie yet it, it it takes its liberties uh, with it, changes it a little bit around. Mm-hmm. It, it actually doesn't take place in Europe. It takes place in Gotham. Okay. Oh, that's, oh, that's and then there's this weird line where he says, if there's even a 1% chance Queen Victoria is Jack the Ripper, <laughs> we have to take it with an absolute certainty and, and destroy her. <laughs> there's, there's a part of me that would love a Batman who was that like disabused with the way math works. There's, just like, there's a 1% chance that my grocer is actually you know a homicidal nightmare. So I'm going to kill everybody because there's a 1% chance <laughs> that everybody would do something. Alfred's like in his ear. Alfred's in his ear going like, no. That's like, not how math works, Bruce. Yeah. 1% chance does not equate to 100% certainty. That's not yeah. how zeros work. <laughs> He's just like, you know, clubbing bus drivers and nurses. And no, she could have killed somebody, Alfred. <laughs> like he he mistakes like a lucky charms commercial for like kids abusing leprechauns <laughs> and like he goes out on a murdering spree k- killing all the kids like leave that leprechaun alone <laughs> damn it master bruce not again yeah he's not on his bets again um so uh, so the last thing we go through with all our guests is, is called we call it the big finish it's uh three questions every guest that we've ever had on has the same three questions okay um so like James Lipton. Yeah, but there's no favorite curse word. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so your all-time favorite character can be from any genre. All-time favorite character. Um, hmm. I am going to say Han Solo. Hmm. What kind of birthday gift would you get Han Solo? Um, I would get him a holster. A holster? Yeah. Nice. He seems like a dude who could use a good holster. I was going to say get him a vest made out of that shit that the Praetorian guards use to block lightsaber. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or like the club for the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, Mark, what are you, what are you watching oh, this, this question? Cause I'm asking, I'm asking you this question. I'm like, holy shit, this could be anything. Um, what are you watching now as far as TV shows? Like something you got a, a must watch, you got to watch it live or, you know, you have it on the DVR. Um, let's see. I am must, must watch. watch. I am must watch on the good place. I am must watch on blackish. I am must watch. Uh, on Black Mirror, I'm making my way through the fourth season. Um, I am doing a rewatch of Parks and Rec. Um, I am I am somewhat unhealthily obsessed with the Great British Baking Show, which if you have <laughs> if you have never watched the Great British Baking Show, it is the most relaxing hour of hunger and ambition you will ever see. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on Netflix. There's like four seasons of it. And it's, it's, you know, the most British people in the world are the hosts and the judge. And they pack like a baker's dozen worth of people in a tent in the British countryside and make them bake stuff. And so it's like, it's like Survivor, but for baking, but super kind and gentle <laughs> and genteel and polite <laughs> And like nobody's ever baked anything bad. It's just not great. It's not. It's not Hell's Kitchen. The guy's totally. like yelling at him and shit. You know, like, totally. <laughs> Although I will say, it is. It is always fun to watch because um, I like Gordon Ramsay. It's fun to watch MasterChef mm-hmm. and then watch MasterChef Junior and see how Gordon Ramsay treats grown-ups who should know better versus children who are just figuring it out. And he's, oh, he's so nice uh-huh. to them. He's the kindest person in the world to a kid. <laughs> Yeah. But if that kid's dad comes into and starts cooking, <laughs> <laughs> you are a fucking nightmare. You, what is wrong with you? Is this is this food you would serve anybody you love? No. <laughs> you make this for your yeah. kid right here. <laughs> yeah. But I, but yeah, Great British Baking Show in a, in a world as contentiously fractured as ours can so often be. Sometimes you just want to put on a show that feels like a blanket in front of a fireplace and eating a scone at the same time. <laughs> yeah, man, I got to go. And now I'm salivating. Yeah, it it shaves off every rough edge. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, if uh, Ron Swanson uh, had to choose only one form of transportation, would they prefer Kit? Would they prefer Streethawk? Or would they prefer Airwolf? Mm. I am going to say, hmm, I don't know. Does Streethawk's the motorcycle, right? Mm-hmm. Does that yes, motorcycle and... talk? No. I don't think so, but it goes Just like 400 miles an hour. I, I think he's a Streethawk guy. I don't think he wants a talking car. I don't think he likes technology enough that we're just intruding <laughs> today. He doesn't like although he, Although he does all. like the automatic door that Leslie got him. That's true. That's true, but I, I think I think there's there's a little bit of the Bon Jovi in for, in, in Ron Swanson, and mm. so a steel horse mm. that he rides, Duke, Duke Silver, Silver, absolutely. Duke Silver would ride a motorcycle. There you go, and makes <laughs> ninety degree turns at four hundred miles an hour. Yes, which is totally possible, <laughs> completely believable. <laughs> this footage is this footage right, Mark, is not fast forwarded at all. Caught this live, you guys. <laughs> Um, okay. All right. Last question, Mark. Um, top three movies of all time. Top three movies of all time. Um, Aliens. Oh, that's um, cool. 
I think uh, to me, Aliens is a is a perfect movie. Game yeah, over, man. I think that 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 Aliens functions on a level that most action cinema, if not regular cinema, just does not. Um, Raiders, I think Raiders is just pure cinema. Mm. Um, and number three, number three is always weird. Um, you know, <laughs> like I think I think I kind of have to go New Hope because it's the it's the movie that made me fall in love with movies. Yeah. Um, you picked uh, you picked two out of the three that I would that yeah pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's other movies that I love to death. There's other movies that that I think are wonderful and structurally impenetrable. Like I love The Mask of Zorro to no end, to the point where people are like, "We need to talk about why you love The Mask of Zorro so much." <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie too. Do you, oh, just real quick, is there is there? Um, I mean, we talked to Sarah extensively about mm. guilty pleasure stuff, which. She says, like, there is no such thing as guilty pleasure. You love it or you don't. So um, she made a good point. But is there something that comes on that you don't really, you know, cherish or like or anything? But is there something that comes on TV that you just can't fucking look away? Like, like for Vic, I know it's Batman and Robin. Every time that shit show pops up, he I can't turn it he, off. He's got to watch why. it. I just have to watch it like a train, like a car accident or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, too, like Sarah, do not. I don't, I don't want to classify pleasures as guilty or not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of movies that if I just like randomly encounter them, I will just sit down and watch like, Oh, Hunt for Red October's on. I probably was doing something, but not anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think of like the bad ones. Like if I, if I stumble onto like any Van Damme movie, I will stop and watch it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Oh, is this the one where he's twins? I hope he's twins in this one. Oh, Double impact. That Thank movie. you very much. Yeah, one was yeah. one was raised in America, but still has his fucking Belgium accent. Yes, naturally. Ooh, is <laughs> right. this Lionheart? Please tell me it's Lionheart. Um, I I'm also that way with like '80s Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, like mm. Raw Deal. Thanks, oh, Raw Deal. Commando. Uh, that opening scene yeah. in Raw Deal is awesome. You should not drink and bake. Um, yeah, it it is usually like the, the crappiest crap that I grew up on in the eighties that feels like, you know, mother's milk. What about like American Ninja? Don't know. Well, I mean, I have, I have a fondness for like the shitty martial arts of (laughs) the mid eighties. Like, Ooh, ninjas, you guys, these are the coolest things ever. We we learned a word, Hollywood. It's called ninja. Well, this guy, this ninja was white. Oh no, which is the best. <laughs> I was flipping through Hulu the other day and I stumbled on a movie called The Perfect Weapon. Oh, I love that movie. Which is remarkably bad. But it was yeah, like Yeah, it is. It's so we bad. Need a, we need we need a new Steven Seagal. Find me another like goofy looking white dude <laughs> who knows the martial art that everybody's never heard of. <laughs> and <laughs> and let's pit him against some Asians. Yeah, be because good. that's the best. Be <laughs> that's how you know you're really good when you can beat a room full of Asians. Yeah. Oh, you mean like Iron mm. Iron Fist? Well, everybody beats him up, so that doesn't really count. Yeah, but I am the Iron Fist, you guys. Yeah, I know. We to- we heard you five hundred times before you sat down. We know you're the Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> can you show us the Iron Fist? Not right now. No, my cheese a little off. Yeah, it's weird. 
Yeah. This thing doesn't work. <laughs> I need a he needs a, like a fluffer for his chi. <laughs> like just some guy to walk around or some girl to walk around, like you know, just to fluff him up a little fluff his chi before he goes into battle every time. It's goddamn ridiculous that he can't pull up the iron fist. Well, and every time he does, he just hits a wall. He doesn't hit people. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But he doesn't want to kill them. He just wants to like push them really far away. <laughs> well, if he ever gets his chi up, like the chi fluffer should be the next season two. There should be an episode called the chi fluffer. And it's just Danny walking around telling everybody he's the Iron Fist and he needs a fluffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Um, the one last thing we want to do is every every guest that comes on our show gets a little bit of a gift. Mm. And I don't know if you uh, remember our logo on Twitter, but uh, I created those that logo. It's just two stick figures. It's ridiculous. It's stupid looking, but we seem to like it for some reason. <laughs> plus, it's plus it's affordable because I do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so if you could check your email really quick and kind of open open that email. All right, let's see what we get. And describe what you see when you open that email. Oh, my, my. Let's see. Um, ba, 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 bam, bam, ba, bam, bam, there we go. There we go. Gift. Oh, yay. What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it's caution. <laughs> Do not cross on the crotch. Oh, oh did it blow up? Did it, it blow up big enough that I got to scroll. This <laughs> <laughs> caution. <laughs> caution. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, it is It is a stick figure of me in a backwards Batman hat and a goatee holding a pistol with police tape wrapped around my body like a very intimate snake. Well, it's uh, it's referencing your your genius number one. Yes, thank you. It's awesome. So, so thank you again <laughs> so much for coming on. This is so like we were just talking about what like holy cow moments. Like right now is our holy cow moment. Well, like I rock on, no idea sure. we would ever ever be able to get you on the show. Uh, well, it uh, it is it is my genuine pleasure, guys. Well, it was awesome talking to you, Mark. Thank you so much, and. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, episode 119 of Chew on This and Nerds United Podcast. I'm BJ. Vic. Till next time, folks, chew on that. Later. <laughs>